everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tim and Tim Talk, event production, broadcast, heck, and even sometimes AV. And with me, Tim Kerbabas. Tim, how are you? Hey, Tim. It is great to be here back again for another episode. It is. It, it is great. We have a fun one to talk about. Um, Tim, let's just jump right into this because this is Stop the Presses, something I thought some words that would probably never come out of my mouth. Captioning not only made the news, they made headlines. Like we're talking New York Times, LA Times, like broadcast. It's everywhere, Tim. And we just so happen to have a resident expert on their show. And it's not me. Tim, I've been known to know a thing or two about live captioning. It's definitely a, a passion of mine. It's something I've I've made a career out of. And uh, we've got some excitement to have captioning in the news. It's so rare. How do you feel to be like now that we can sort of pontificate on this subject? And you are a resident expert. You're you're one of the top like, you know, EEG. It's not resellers, but users essentially for captioning. So, I mean, your credentials for this, you've been, you know, talk a little bit about your credentials before we go into this and why we should listen to you on this subject. Indeed, I've been waiting for this moment to be in the spotlight. Captioning has been a passion of mine for more than a decade, and it's been something that I've worked on professionally for a long time. And specifically, live captioning has been a really focus of my career and a focus of my business, right? We've worked together a lot on live captioning for events, and I've come in and helped you with projects with that. And I've I think that's in- actually one of our early, early It was one uh, of our earliest reactions. In fact, in fact, it was, you know, one of your shows was the way that I really got started with this EEG product, the, the ICAP ecosystem. And so I've worked for a long time time in the captioning space. I've engineered broadcast systems and really um, built a business around helping clients um, design the engineering systems and the production decisions that have to go into you know, making live captions work on corporate events. And I know you won't say this, so I will say it for you. One of the, one of the forefront, one of the resident experts in this field for technical you know, execution. I know you work with manufacturers to work on uh, delivering product and updates. You, you give field reports back to them. And may I say they are impressive, the work that you give back and the feedback that you give to these companies. So because of a lot of your work, it, it really grows. So Enough about that, Tim. Let's let's go into it. Let's go Grammy night. We're dressed up. We're we're feeling good. We have a great show. Bad Bunny comes on the stage. Walk us through. Literally walk. Set the stage for what happened right. here, Tim. So it's Grammy night. There's an opening performance from chart topping artist Bad Bunny, and we're watching the telecast in English, right in the U.S. And Bad Bunny comes out, and Bad Bunny performs in Spanish. He's a Puerto Rican artist. Performs in Spanish. Comes out on stage and. If you were watching the broadcast with captions on, you would see all the opening remarks, you know, captioned, uh, you know, the VOG walk on. And then when Bad Bunny starts performing, the captions read singing in non-English. And then Bad Bunny being a phenomenal artist also won a Grammy that night. So congratulations to Bad Bunny. And then Bad Bunny gave an acceptance speech in Spanish and the captions read speaking in non-English. <laughs> Okay, let's let's unpack that first, Tim. We didn't win a Grammy that night, which I mean, I mean, I, we're probably we don't sing, which probably has something to do with it, but still, it wouldn't hurt to. You I mean, know, they have they have like audio nominated Grammys, so we should get right? a podcast Grammy, right? I think so. And listen, Auto Tune works wonders with his voice. Without it, absolutely, it's, absolutely. It's okay, sorry about that. I know I sidetracked. So speaking, singing in non English, like you said, Bad Bunny 
I mean, I believe I saw a stat. Uh, I'm unfortunately not his number one fan, but I saw his stat that said like he's like the number one most downloaded Spotify account. So we knew that Bad Bunny was going to sing in Spanish. This is not an obscure artist, right? He's his 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 music being number one, um, him singing in Spanish. So why couldn't they just say that leap of faith? I want to be devil's advocate here and say singing in Spanish, which 99.9% of us knew. Right. So there's a couple things, and I think I need to get a little bit into the weeds here to explain maybe how this process worked. And one thing that I saw some discourse about was, you know, oh, this was an AI failure. And I want to clarify that it is unlikely that it was an AI failure, Tim. And so, you know, the, the reasons for that is broadcasts of this caliber are almost always captioned by humans. And in most cases, they're captioned by humans using a technique called CART, which is, um, I have to look at my notes here, communication access real-time translation. I very rarely use that full phrase. It's, it's stenography. It's I don't the think same I've technique. ever heard the, the CART explained of like what never... that acronym stands for. Communication <laughs> but... access real-time translation. Right. It's there a fancy it way of saying stenography. It's the same technique that court reporters use and that sort of funny little you know, keyboard where they press the keys at once. And and what stenography is, and I'll just back up here, is a, a phonetic language to write, uh, to transcribe quickly English words or, or spoken words. And so, you know, they press keys at the same time that represent the sounds in a word, and then the, a software translates that into English language. The, the, in a court reporter, they do this, and then they have time to correct it later. In, in captioning, they have to do it live. So they have to be an incredibly good stenographer to be a good captioner because there is no backup plan. They press the button, it goes on to the television. So there is no going back to correct the record. They the are challenge- some of the most hardy, hardest working individuals. <laughs> you know, we've both hired, we've both hired captioners on our set. And I tell you, I mean, wizards back there of what they can do, how fast they type. It's un, it's literally unreal. If any of listener, if you go to an event and it's being captured live, sometimes you'll see it by with the TV out there. Like, just take a peek. And these these captioners are literally like what they can do is superhuman. You can see the focus in their face. They're like really, really nailing oh, yeah. down right i mean you know it's great um and so this is a, this is a very it's a phenomenal skill but the challenge is there are not that many people who caption at all right who do who do cart captioning at all um you know most court most stenographers are court reporters and the folks that specialize in captioning are far and few between and the number of multilingual stenographers you know is limited and so captioners are trained when they caption and when they hear a language they don't know they are trained to write non-english or speaking in a language other than english because you know in this case obviously we knew a lot about it but the imagine you know a captioner is captioning an event where someone speaks a native mayan language you know or a native 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 mexican language right and so maybe there's some similarities phonetically to, to Spanish, sure. or maybe they were speaking in, you know, originally in Portuguese and the captioner couldn't tell the difference and they indicate they're speaking a language that is wrong, right? Now there's an uproar that it's the captioner's fault for making the wrong assumption. Whereas they can tell, right? There's no question that it's non-English. And, and so I think- So you're you know, saying the captioner did what they should have done. This is by the rule book. Right. The captioner performed yes. as 
let's just call it the association of captions. This doesn't right. exist. I don't know. Maybe right, it does. Right. right. But there is, is a trade association do. and this is what they're trained to do in this, in this way is, is to not identify the language, identify that it is not a language they know. I, that would be, you know, I wonder, this is the part where, you know, let's say you speak Spanish yeah, and you know, it's Spanish. Like maybe can you just put in Spanish, you know, like, is there any wiggle room? And I, maybe you don't know the answer to this and, we should bring a captioner on next time. Totally. A lot of this is discretionary. I think a lot of this is the captioner, you know, protecting themselves from, you know, liability of, of making a mistake. And so, you know, if, if the information isn't provided to them directly, right, they're not going to make an assumption. That totally makes sense. Okay. So the captioner did what they should have done, which is great. Um, we also now believe that this is not AI because of essentially the level of production. And, and I completely agree with you. We have used, and I'm sure many of our you know, event producers have used AI captioning, right? It's a thing, it exists, and it's not that good because when it's off, you know, it, it randomly will start talking about breakfast and eggs or something like that. Like totally. you're, just, you're not even close to what was being talked about. So it's very safe to assume that this is going to be for, uh, this is human captions. Very safe. So very I mean- safe. So, so with that, Tim, um, let's just hire a bilingual captioner. Problem solved. Easy, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Right. I mean, that seems like the obvious answer. The challenge here, Tim, is there are not a lot of bilingual captioners or multilingual captioners at all. You know, in the U.S., most captioners don't also caption in Spanish. And even on the sort of handful of high caliber multilingual captioners, who write in both English and Spanish, those are separate dictionaries. And I mentioned that this is a phonetic mm -hmm. alphabet that is translated by software into English words. And so they've got a software with a dictionary. They've trained this software with the way that they write these phonetic words. There's, the sounds could be similar and, and words that have the similar sounds, they need to spell differently. So they have their own kind of signature way that they, that they write these phonetic alphabet. And so if, they're switching to writing in Spanish, they have to switch like the dictionary in their software. Like, okay, these are English words. Now I'm typing in Spanish words. And, and they basically have to stop writing in order to pick up the mouse and change the software setting and reset the software. And, and it's not an instant process. And so even if there was one person... Oh, you literally are about to answer yeah, my question. So yeah. can't you just have one person dedicated to Spanish and one person dedicated to English? Absolutely. And that's definitely, you know, and the easier solution, right, is, is they have someone who's writing all the content in English, one person who's writing all the content in Spanish. And for that to switch between the captioners, one, this, you know, when they start hearing Spanish, the Spanish captioner just presses a button, take over, they write, and then when it goes back to English. So that, that is, in my so view. So they have a mechanism in place to, to right, be able to, right. to pick. To, totally. I don't totally. Want to that, would be, like that would be how I would design the, the system. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so are you hearing that, Grammy producers? Next year, give us a call, not just him, because I would like to also go to the Grammys. <laughs> totally, totally, um, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be a fun night. So what was, would you say then the fundamental breakdown? Like, you know, and how could this be managed differently? You know, what is the only solution the two captioners? I, I think that's the solution in this case, but I think ultimately it's a production breakdown and less of a technology breakdown. I think the challenge probably was that the people booking the captioning service and the people booking the performers and planning their on a show were maybe not communicating all the details. And I think that, you know, typically in a broadcast sense, the engineering team or the, you know, the sort of, you know, 
the the broadcast side is is planning the captioning because that's part of the broadcast workflow and and the grammys is a separate event so they have their own production team and, and they're there probably was communication, right? There was preparation materials. One of the things I want to highlight is captioners need preparation material, even in just one language, right? They need to know who's speaking and have the names correct and things like that. But it seems like... And that's you know, even more true when it becomes, you know, very... When they use specialized jargon, right? When you go absolutely. into the technical field, when you go into the medical totally. field, and some of these terms and words, I will dare not say because I just yeah. won't even know how to pronounce them. They have to learn how to spell them instantaneously. And so many of your events, Tim, have a ton of jargon. As much as our clients don't want to admit it, I know you know working they with you on events that admit it. your clients use a ton of jargon. And, and so with that, we want to give the captioners as much preparation as possible. We want to have a captioner who is an expert in the subject matter, has the words in their dictionary, like we said. But you know, the big thing I think that got broken down is somehow there wasn't adequate communication or a production decision about what the official correct response would be when someone speaks in non-English, right? And I, and I think ultimately the captioner yeah. did what they were supposed to do in that situation. But I think the production team needed to, and certainly in the future needs to decide what is the best experience for the users of the captioner, the people who turned it on on their TV or web stream. I think that's ultimately and, a production decision. And us not being in this room, I will say that, you know, this is like a reoccurring theme, Tim, whenever you and I are, are breaking down like, how did these problems happen and what could be done to be what could be done in the future to prevent them it's really sort of that seamless chain of communication and it's always the production company over here agency client way over here and not all that information gets you know gets resolved before a production happened case in point like you just said here you know the production the production team is not necessarily thinking about caption dare i say that you know like because the captioner is thinking about it totally. they're thinking of their words but you know they're they're more worried about cameras and angles and lightings and the visual side of it totally. and i bet you the producers thought that this was a non-issue and probably didn't even think about it. it's like we have captions there's going to be no problem here totally and i think ultimately someone in the production particularly for 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 any problem but particularly for accessibility someone has to own the accessibility scope someone has to say i am responsible for making good decisions about accessibility and helping everyone get those answers right and asking hey you know producer what do you want on screen when this happens because this is what's currently going to be there right is this what you want and certainly you can make the argument that you know you can choose whatever is a production, what you want that experience to be like. But, Correct. you know, I think it's, it has to be a concrete decision and an explicit decision and not just we'll see what happens. So, Tim, you're close to this community. You, you are this is something you pay attention to. Basically, I almost will say on a daily basis, you know, headlines, once they fade away, you're still actively involved in this. So, you know, you're a great person to answer this. Like, will anything change? Has the community updated their process or guidelines? Can they now say the specific language, you know, or is this all going to be, are we all done talking about this? I would say that given how many people are using captions, people who maybe are hard of hearing or deaf, people who are hearing and just want to have the captions on, I think captions have, have really become, you know, an essential part of of every production and not just an FCC requirement. And so I think given how many people are paying attention to the production, how many people are aware of the accessibility needs of a broad swath of communities who, you know, need to be included in all of our productions. And given the 
ability um, to have these conversations more publicly on social media, I think that productions are paying more attention to accessibility. I think that certainly the Grammys will have a solution for this next year because they got called out. But I think that everyone in production is talking more about accessibility. And this is one of the reasons that I focus so much of my work on accessibility as a, as a, as a specialty is because there's a lot of questions about it. People are saying, how do we do this better? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's not let this moment become a fleeting moment and, and not used and not capitalized. So I'm glad that, you know, there, there's really momentum now behind this to, to fix and improve. Because it sounds like all the tools exist to make this process better. One thing I will say with your, your comment, Tim, and one thing I will never understand is, is able-eared people like me that can hear and see Using captions, I if, if you put captions on in a movie, I am distracted. I am so distracted by captions. I have to have them off. How do you watch movies and TVs with a caption on? I'm just reading the whole thing. I'm one right. of the old school traditionalist guys that <laughs> totally. has to turn captions off. I, I watch a lot of television with captions because I find it easier to understand. You know, the, I don't the dialogue it at all. Yeah, I don't I don't know. yeah, totally. Well, again, we're going to differ. And absolutely, and that's why they're closed captions. We can turn them on and off as as we each need. And that's yeah. the beauty, right? And you're not alone on that. You know, there are a fair amount of people that that I know that watch with captions on. And it it it, it shocks me. Like, especially I you know, I just see like the amazing production value. And instead of seeing that million dollar, you know, special effects shot, I'll start reading in the special effects and my eyes will dart down. So mm. which is they're doing exactly what they're intended to do. And just, you know, for those people that need it, you know, I'm glad that it's there. But for folks like you and me, I'm surprised that you actually leave it yeah. on. So, yeah, I, I, find it, I find it great. And particularly on web video on my phone where I'm distracted, I think it's great. So with that, Tim, I think we've beat this subject to death here. But I think, you know, the takeaway is that I think, you know, accessibility is is got a you know, a bigger pedestal now. I think people are paying more attention yeah. to it. And I think that we're, we're going to see more investment and more, you know, active decision-making about how to make all of our projects, whether that's broadcast or events, more accessible. You know, the only problem is, Tim, you actually didn't leave your phone number for the Grammy producer to call you um, for that. But hey, listen, if, how about they just reach us via email? Great. We have our email here. We'll put it on the screen. It's Tim's, T-I-M-S, at timandtimtalk.com. You can also reach out to us on socials or leave a comment on YouTube, on LinkedIn, or, you know, reach out to us on the, after listening to the podcast. This is an interactive show. We love your comments. We love your engagement here um, and, and, your, and your feedback. You know, if there's a topic, if there's something that's trending that you would like us to talk about, hey, feel free to reach out to us. If you have a comment or if you would like to, you know, join us in one of these uh, with your, as an expert on this uh, subject matter, feel free to do that as well. So with that, my name is Tim Kay. And I'm Tim Kerbavas. And we talked. We talked. <laughs> See you, Tim. Yeah.